Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I'm Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Perry Maynard about dizziness and vertigo after concussion. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers, located in Denver, Colorado. Doctors Shane Studman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I am editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And I also invite, invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Perry Maynard, and he is a board-certified chiropractic neurologist that specializes in the management of complex neurological cases, including post-concussive syndrome, vertigo, balance disorders, movement disorders, dysautonomia, and a variety of autoimmune conditions. Dr. Maynard has extensive education and training in concussion rehabilitation, vestibular rehabilitation, and neuroimmunology. He first became interested in neurological rehabilitation after playing Division I college football from Eastern Illinois University, where he experienced multiple concussions and witnessed friends and teammates suffering without answers or options for treatment. This is why he has, a de- why he has dedicated his professional life to helping those suffering from traumatic brain injuries. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Maynard. So happy to have you here. It is so great to be here. Thank you so much, Amy. So, Perry, you know, we got a little glimpse in in your bio of how you came to work in this community. Um, But why don't you give us a little more of your story of what brought you here and how you ended up working with uh, brain injury patients? Definitely. So, like you kind of had mentioned before, um, you know, I've been playing football since I was in um, fifth grade, I think. A little too early, probably, to be hitting my head. Um, so I've been playing football. I've been involved in sports, you know, most of my life. And, um, you know, and had always kind of had chronic headaches and some, some kind of chronic issues. But, you know, when I was younger, it was like, well, my mom had headaches, so it must be genetic. You know, or I got some dizziness. Well, my mom's got dizziness. It must be, you know, genetic. You know, I never really thought of those things. And so I went through college, um, you know, and, you know, had moments where, you know, I'd hit and my vision would go green, it would go orange, right, on a frequent basis, or I'd get blurred vision, you know, I'd go to my trainer, and I'd say, hey, you know, I've had really bad headaches for the past, 
you know, three weeks, uh, and they'd just say, well, you're just getting used to your helmet again. You're just getting used to hitting. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, wow. I noticed, <laughs> I noticed my grades in the, uh, in the fall were completely different than in the spring. So there was definitely a noticeable difference in me studying and my mental clarity uh, between the two times of year. And the only big difference is clashing your head uh, far less often. And so I actually had a teammate, and this is one of the biggest ones I still think of, um, you know, I actually tried to reach out to him not too long ago, but, uh, you know, he had suffered numerous concussions uh, and was, you know, left with debilitating seizures at like age 25. Mm. He was left with like $60,000 in medical bills. Uh, you know, he wasn't from the best area to begin with and then went back and, you know, couldn't work, couldn't function. Uh, and that's always really stuck with me. And it's always been, you know, a super sad thing, just seeing how they get managed, right? And seeing how we manage yeah. them. That was kind of one of the biggest, the biggest things. And so, you know, as I went back to school, uh, you know, and minored in, in neuroscience, uh, and I just got more involved in the brain injury world. Um, and it just being able to see, you know, functional neurology opened me up to, to hope for people with neurological illnesses. For the longest time, and even still, medical neurology is looked at as not a very fun profession. Not a lot of people want to go into medical neurology because there's not really much you can do. Surgery, medications, uh, and usually just medications are telling people like, hey, what you have is terrible. I'm sorry. Here's a book. You should read about it so you can learn how to deal with it. Uh, and that just has never been enough for me. And so functional neurology is the only thing I had ever come across where I was saying, this doesn't have to be. Changes can be made. The brain is a dynamic being. Um, you know, and I've just fallen in love with it ever since. And then the more you work in this field and the more you see things change, the more you become a believer. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just can't imagine (laughs) the repetitive hitting your head and, you know, just being told, Oh, you just have to get used to your helmet. It's your helmet causing your headaches. And, um, you know, it's just, just and you're not that old. You're not that far removed from college and high school. So you know it's it's just astounding to me. And this still happens today. Like it shouldn't be happening today, but it still is happening today with our mm-hmm. athletes. Um, and there's so many mis- mis- mixed messages out there that it's no wonder. Um, so well, yeah, and it's so full of kind of the 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 toxic. You know, you you know, got to be a man. You got to get back out there. And for sure, you know, yeah. football is a physical sport, and you do have to be, you know, tough. But um, when your brain, yeah, you know, when you have these neurological symptoms, uh, being tough is not. You're not helping anyone in that case. And and unfortunately, mm-hmm. the sport is still full of. You know, I even have college coaches that I see post all the time about you know CTE. You know what a what a farce or head injuries you know, football being related to, you know, neurological issues, what a farce, this, that, you know, and, and making it political. And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, you don't have to be a doctor to realize that hitting your head repetitively for 15 years is not good for anyone. It's probably not good for you. Exactly. No. You know, um, I mean, gosh, you know, I just look back. My, you know, my injury in 2014 was pretty significant, Um and I look back and I'm like, did I have other concussions that probably got overlooked? And, you know, I remember I got hit by a car when I was probably like seven. Um, I got smacked over the head with a textbook and like 
passed out for a second, you know, like, you know, there's, there's, there's just things in the past that just nobody ever, you know, even really thought anything of it. So I'm glad yeah, that and I'd say those are, those are some significant injuries you had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It explains a thing or two, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Maynard, I recently was able to come out there a couple months ago and um, had you kind of check me out a little bit. You know, I had worked with a functional neurologist in the past, um, but I was still having a little bit of like, just when I would lay down at night, I still have just a little bit of that feeling that I was kind of moving or like, it would feel like I was rolling over onto my back, but I actually, you know, was just laying on my side. Um, and you did some testing and, and found some things with me. Um, would you mind kind of talking our listeners through uh, like what it was you did um, to find these things and what we found? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, you know, and these are these are kind of things that I seem often get missed or or overlooked by a lot of people. But it, kind of in your case, you know, for listeners, if you think of the inner ear, you have different receptors. So you have receptors that are static receptors. So they let you know where is my head statically? Is it neutral? Is it right? Is it left? Okay. And then you have dynamic sensors that say, okay, I moved from point A to point B at this right? And your big issue was issues in more dynamic receptors. So when you were statically still, you kind of upright, you did okay. But when you would move backwards, the dynamic signal you would get was almost too exaggerated, right? And then once you actually would lay down, your static signal was now altered, right? So if we think about it, if the inner ear were to work really, really well, or the brain were to work really, really well, it's You'd, ha- you'd start with a static signal, and then you'd have a dynamic signal when you move your head, and then when you stop, you have a new static signal. So you pretty much said, I started at point A, and I moved to point B at 500 degrees per second, and now I'm at point B. The problem is you knew where you were starting, and then you took off, and you got this almost this erroneous, exaggerated signal. It's like the car went at 10,000 RPMs instead of 1,000 RPMs, and then when you stopped, that signal kept going. So you had a dynamic signal when you should have a static signal, right? Which is why you felt like when you were laying on your side, you were moving because you were literally Mm -hmm. getting a signal as if you were moving, but you wouldn't get it sitting up. You'd only get it lying down in a certain position. So for whatever reason, your brain, when brought out of gravity and laying down, you start getting this erroneous signal as if you were flipping backwards, right? And it would just go and it would just go and it would just go. Um, You know, so once again, as long as you stay in that position, you're going to have this kind of this erroneous signal when really you should be able to lie down and your eyes should be still, you know? Uh, And that's not uncommon to see with a ton, a ton of head injuries, inner ear disorders is that this mix between these dynamic signals and these static signals becomes warped. And people may know where their head is when it's to the right, but they don't really know where it is to the left or backwards, right? And so we pretty much figured out that when your head's tilted backwards or you're laying backwards, you get this false signal, right? And so that's why our goal was to try to go in and see how can we normalize those signals in those positions. So how can we get it to where you move backwards and then you get the normal signal and then it stops, right? And the better that that can be done, then that's where people can lie down or be in those positions and be like, oh, 
I'm not moving anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I feel too, like, so you, you have these cool goggles that you can put on me. Um, and I'm pretty much in the dark and you had me lay on my back and you moved my head left, right back. Um, and you were able to watch what my eyes were doing through those goggles. And, you know, I think that was sort of a key that had been missed in the past with me. Um, like I'd had the VNG done, right. But doing the VNG, mm-hmm. you're literally just sitting there watching, you know, the different patterns and the dots moving and whatnot. Um, where this was different because you had me actively doing something with the goggles on watching me. Um, and so yeah, I think and, that was just a little piece that had been missed in the past. Yeah, hundred percent. And like I said, that it's unfortunately I see it missed a lot just across disciplines, you know, ENTs, um, medical doctors, all these different things. Is yeah, it's the a normal VNG is I think it's really helpful looking at certain things, but when it comes to dynamic things where your head is moving, it's not great. If you think about it, a VNG, your head is neutral the entire time, right? Right. Mm-hmm. When do you when do you live your life and not move your head? <laughs> um, you know, and, right. And this is, this is what we see. You know, I actually just got done with a, a patient with who has a, a you know bilateral vestibular loss, and um, you know some of these things it seems like well that should be set in stone, but there's some dynamic things when she kind of moves around, right? Because even if there's damage to the actual inner ear, the brain is always trying to recalibrate, right? And the brain is always trying to recalibrate in all planes of motion, right? So we have the yaw motion, which is rotation left and right. We have the pitch which is forward and backwards, and we have the roll that's left or right, right? And that inner ear is picking up, motion, or picking up input in all those areas, right? So pretty much that means that your eyes have to integrate with your inner ear also in those planes. So if I'm watching you track and you're in neutral and it looks fine, well, that's cool, but I have tons of patients where they can track fine in neutral and I turn their head or I tilt their head and all of a sudden their eyes are all over the place, right? And you would never pick that up if you didn't do things dynamically, right? And the other thing about the goggles as well is that I can put you in the dark. So time and time again, I have patients come in, they're like, oh, no, they tested this, and it was negative. I was like, well, did they put you in the dark? Well, no, they didn't. You know, and the problem with that is that if your visual system is healthy, which hopefully it is, you can compensate, right? So when I, if someone were to lay you back exactly. and your eyes open and you have that erroneous signal, your eyes are going to say, okay, let's just cancel that. That's not actually happening. So the key is we have to decompensate you as much as possible, right? So by taking out your vision, now your inner ear has no clue what's going on. It doesn't have vision it can rely on. The only thing it can now rely on is my voice, my hands, and then the feeling of the table on your back. So being able to put people in dark is a game changer when it comes to inner ear issues, concussions, dizziness, vertigo, um, it, if you're treating those things or working with someone who doesn't have those things, there's a chance you're missing out on a ton of information um, that can be absolutely game changers for treatment uh, and expedite the process that much faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, in the past too, I had been put in a gyro stem and spun like backwards and around um, like twice, I think. Um, and I would feel great for like a week, um, I would notice instantly, like things were a little crisper and like all those, those other 
um, the laying on the back would get better for like maybe a week or two. Um, and again, you know, going back, I never really had anyone look at what my eyes were doing on my back. Right. Um, like you did with the goggles. Um, and you did some manual treatment with me with, um, I think you had the goggles on me while you did it and you watched for when my eyes stopped jiggling around. <laughs> um, and I felt great ever since. And it, I think I was out there in July, a few months since I've been out there. So, um, you know, just so thankful that you were able to find that. And and how just one little tweak can be such a game changer, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. It, and, and each day I, I see it more and more. You know, some of the, like I said, the, the subtlety that I saw with you, I see with so many patients and you know, when people are dizzy, it makes a lot of sense, and usually people are going to feel better after doing it. And it can be quite easy to do, um, but I've seen so many people with memory issues, fatigue, anxiety, mm-hmm. brain fog, right? All these symptoms that you may think, well, what does that have anything to do with this erroneous signal coming from your inner ear? And I've seen time and time again that that little mismatch or that little bit of noise that's coming into the brain 24-7, because if you think about it, you can never get away from gravity. Gravity is around you 24-7. Unless you go underneath the ocean or you go into a zero-gravity chamber and you go up in space, <laughs> you're always around gravity, right? So if you have this noise, you know, it's not like light sensitivity where you can go in the dark. You have this noise going on constantly, and it can manifest in so many different uh, kind of symptoms. And, and that's what I see over and over and over again. Uh, and like I said, it gets missed far too often of patients I see from, you know, you know, some of the most prestigious, you know, vestibular therapists in Denver or ENTs in Denver or neurologists in Denver. And I'm like, and they're like, oh, we tested for that. That wasn't there. And then you take a look at it in a different way or in the dark with the goggles and you're like, oh, it's right here. You know, and, and it's a lot of times it's a very simple fix. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's sad to me that it gets missed so many times because yeah. uh, it's easy and pe- some people could feel a lot better in a handful of visits. And I've had, you know, um, you know, Tammy, the one you interviewed, she was a very similar one who had a similar thing to you. She had been through vestibular rehab for two years with no wow. change. And, you know, I, you know, I'm sorry, you had talked to her and things like that. And within a day, we were able to knock her dizziness down from like a eight or a nine to like a three, just with doing similar things I did with you. So it's things like that that are infuriating to me. That's like, why did it take two years for someone to realize? That? Yeah. When, yep. You know, if this was done two years ago, she probably would have never gotten to an eight out of 10. She probably started at like a three. And if this was done, she could have gone on and then had no anxiety. You know, I can think of, yep. I can think of three mm-hmm. other patients with similar things who have gone years and not treated appropriately. And it's a shame to say, you know, absolutely. And, you know, going back to the memory and anxiety and fatigue and brain fog, um, you know, it took me two and a half years to just even find functional neurology. And after my intensive, uh, my dizziness went from probably like a nine to like a two, but then over time as I did my exercises at home and, you know, I continued follow-up care for a while. Um, but gradually over the next like eight months, I noticed my memory was improving 
I was able to multitask. I didn't have the brain fog anymore. Like all those other symptoms slowly started dissipating because when you are constantly dizzy and your brain is constantly trying to figure out where you are in space, are you standing? Are you sitting? What are you doing? Um, your brain has no other energy to give to other things. And so that's why we get stuck in this cycle with our memory and it all starts to lead to anxiety. And it's frustrating to me that we often get written off as just being depressed or just having an anxiety disorder. When in reality, we have a whole lot of vestibular crap going on that could be treated. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent correct. Um, it's like I said, it's, it's baffling the things I see. And, you know, I actually was talking to um, a primary care physician about a, a mutual patient that she would have referred over. And we were talking about these similar things and, you know, these things were changing the patient and she was just dumbfounded. She was like, wait, what? I didn't know that that was a thing, but you know, when you really start to learn about the brain, uh, it makes a hundred percent, you know, it makes sense that this would happen because if your brain had to choose between knowing where you are or remembering where you put your keys, it's always going to want to know where you are because you don't want to fall and you don't want to mm-hmm. hit your head or break a hip, you know? So yeah, it's crazy to see the things change with people. Um, now to the point with, with patients where sometimes it's completely removed symptoms. And I'm like, well, let, let's see, because there's a good chance that this can make a huge difference. Um, so it's a super fascinating field. And, and that's the, that's the key about functional neurology, kind of the word, you know, functional, and that's been overused in a lot of fields, yeah. but is the brain is a functional being. It is constantly changing with the input it gets. And all functional neurology does is say, I understand the inputs that different areas of the brain get, and I see where those inputs are wrong or not correct. And if I fix those inputs, that area is going to integrate better and it's going to give me a better output. And that output could be more stable, less depression, less anxious, less pain. It could be whatever comes out of those different circuits, uh, right? And the brain isn't a, uh, a single, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, process one thing, right? It's a multimodal being. Yeah. So you have areas that process uh, cognition and executive function. They also process gravity, right? So that's why people can become depressed or anxious. So it's, that's, where, that's why functional neurology is such a cool field, uh, and there's nothing really like it out there. Uh, and then that's why it has so much success with helping individuals with concussions. Yeah. And I think too, you know, the functional component, how we talked earlier, like the VNG, you're just sitting in a neutral position where you have to get people doing, you know, turning your head, moving up and down, walking, um, you know, you guys assess patients, you know, stand on one foot, look to your left, look to your right, look down, look up. Like, cause like you said, in, in our everyday activity, you're not just sitting there, right? We're not just sitting neutral yeah. all day long. Like you have to have that, that function in there as well. Yeah, no, it, exactly. It, it's all about context. And, and I don't think one of the people who I think is best with this and that I think does a really good job with it in, and preaches a lot is, uh, is Dr. David Traster. I know you've had him on your podcast before, but that's one of the biggest things that, you know, I've taken from him when we've chatted things is that it's all about context. I even tell patients this is that, you know, just because we're doing, say, gay stability exercises seated, so they're staring at a target, turning their head, 
that doesn't mean that that seated exercise is going to change anything when you're walking in the real world. You know, that's where you have to do things in the context of where the person's having their symptoms. If they're having symptoms up walking, you have to be doing exercises that eventually get them up walking uh, because the brain is all about that context and being context um, specific. And that's, once again, another big difference versus traditional vestibular rehab. And, you know, what we do and others that are in functional neurology do is we take the context and we make it specific to that person and their complaint. And that's where the magic really happens. Uh, you know, even I've done things where I'll, I'll take people for drives, you know, um, and we'll say, okay, we're going to hop in the car now. We're going to see how does this manifest since your issue is car sickness, right? Or what can we do mm-hmm. while we're in the car? You know, um, I've even, it's funny, I've joked with patients, but done with a few where some are uh, issues with like skiing. And it's like, well, let's go skiing. It's an excuse for me because I want to go snowboarding, but also we can take a look and see, make it realistic. You know, and Dr. Carrick, he's kind of like the father of functionalology, did a great job of this when he worked with a lot of hockey players of being on the ice and changing, okay, you're going to look at this target. Mm-hmm. When you turn to the left with your hockey stick, you're going to do this. And it's all judged on how is their brain working in that specific context. So really cool stuff. It is really cool stuff. And I'm so glad that there are doctors like you out there. And, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about getting the message out there that you guys exist because there's so many of us that are struggling for so long. And, you know, I want anyone listening to know if, you know, even if you're five, 10, 15 years out, there's, still is opportunity for improvement. You know, you might not get back to a hundred, but you know, isn't getting back to 80 better than, you know, where you're sitting right now at 30. Um, so there's, there's always an opportunity to improve. Um, so Dr. Maynard, is there any final thoughts you would love to leave our listeners with, um, you know, final words of wisdom for those listening? Yeah, um, honestly, I'll just piggyback off of what you said because this is the biggest thing to me is um, that, like I said, it, it's not it's not too late. You know, like I said, you know, Tammy is the example of you know who you interviewed the other day, and you know, numerous other patients I've had over the past month of who are years out, who have been to quote unquote all the top people, the best people, right. they've been to Mayo, this and that. Uh, and we're able to make some really cool changes and improve function. So, um, like you said, is to not give up hope. There are people out there who do good work, uh, and that can help. Um, so that I said, I'm just going to reiterate. You said is do not lose hope. Um, you know, you probably haven't exhausted all options that are out there. A lot of people, you know, go to just their PCP and a neurologist, and they're like, oh, I've been everywhere, and you haven't. There's a lot of right. really, really good people out here, and that's. And that's where we're out here, and I talk with people every day, uh, and I, I help guide them into good areas. You know, I even talked to a person, and uh, actually when we did the concussion discussion, she reached out and heard mine. She's like, hey, do you know of a good person in Chicago? You know, I sent her to uh, Dr. Michaelopoulos and Dr. Traster at Neurological Wellness Institute. So also, you know, you can reach out to us, and we can guide you of who are good people in your area that can help you. So uh, just don't lose hope. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And if anyone does want to find you, your website is integratedbraincenters.com and they are always welcome to schedule a free consultation with you, correct? Yep, 100%. Phone or awesome. person. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Perry. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with our listeners. Of course. Thank you so much for having me out, Amy, and keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And just a reminder, you can always find previous episodes on most streaming platforms such as iTunes, or you can go to facesoftbi.com to find all the previous podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And also remember to join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook. And just another big thank you to our sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. And of course, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. And I will see you in the next episode.